Amen. Well, Merry Christmas, Church of 1122, and welcome to our very first Christmas Eve service. And nothing feels more like Christmas Eve than 82 degrees. <laughs> but it didn't stop some of you from wearing uh, scarves and boots. And so, Merry Christmas. Hey, um, you see, really, the thing about Christmas, we've been in this series all throughout, uh, throughout the Advent season called Unexpected Hope, and we've, we've had these face-to-face encounters with Jesus. And what you encounter when you come face-to-face with Jesus is this unexpected hope. And Christmas is the thing that makes possible us to have a face-to-face encounter with the Almighty God. You see, Christmas is the greatest announcement in all of human history and really all of eternity. You see, the announcement begins all the way back in the book of Genesis when it starts this way, and God says, let us make mankind in our image. And if you're new to Bible study, you're thinking, well, who is God talking to? Is there somebody up there with him? Well, actually, we, we believe in a triune God, one God in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And God is love, and love has to have a subject and an object. And the subject and object of God's love is God's love for God's self. And out of God's love for God's self, it overflows into what we know as creation. And God creates mankind. And he creates Adam. And it says it's not good for man to be alone. Probably because he'd burned down the garden all by himself. And so he gives him a wife. And so they are this representation of who God is, this image of the immortal, invisible God. There they are. And they're in this perfect relationship, not only with one another, but a face-to-face relationship with God, walking around in the garden. And then sin enters into the garden by the rebellion of Adam and Eve. And there is a separation of this relationship between God and his prized creation, you and me. And then God makes this announcement. As he provides for Adam and Eve and yet, and yet separates them from the Garden of Eden, he says, Behold, I will put enmity between you, devil, serpent, and the offspring of you, Eve. And one day, one day, enemy, you will strike at his heel, but he will crush your head. And it was the beginning of this announcement, this announcement that one day God was going to send someone on a rescue mission to reunite people with their Heavenly Father. And then all throughout the entire Old Testament, want to do the whole Old Testament in just a second? Here it goes. The whole thing was about that announcement. I mean, the temple was to point to that announcement, and the tabernacle was to point to that announcement, and the substitutionary atoning sacrificial system was to point to that announcement, and every prophet, major, minor, the nation of Israel, and everybody in between was to point to that one thing, that one day somebody is coming to do something about this separation between God and his people. From the very beginning of the book of Genesis all the way to that Italian prophet, Malachi, there at the end. If you're new to Bible study, there's really not that, but... And he says, the last thing in the Old Testament, in your Bibles, it says this. It says, it says, and the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wings. And then for 400 years, there's just silence. And the people are waiting with great expectation and anticipation for this one that the entire Old Testament was, was calling and then, I don't know exactly how it works in heaven, but I just sort of imagine God looks over to the angels and he's like, all right, boys, get your trumpets, let's go, it's time, we're going to show up, and we're going to make this announcement, and you're going to make it to those people. And the angels have to go, those people. God, are you sure? Because you're pointing at shepherds. And, when, and, when, and because of like Bible bookstores and veggie tales and things like this, we think shepherds are awesome. Nobody in the first century thought a shepherd was awesome. You see, they were outcasts, they were ceremonially unclean, they were religiously unclean. When you follow around hundreds of sheep every day of your life, you become unclean, if you know what I mean. 
So they were never allowed into the temple. In fact, they did not have a permanent address. Therefore, they were not citizens of anywhere. And, and their testimony would not hold up in a court of law. And it's those people. Kind of reminds me, like 1122 people. <laughs> and he says, yeah, that's my people. And I want you to go to those people and I want you to make the greatest announcement of all time. And here it is. In Luke chapter 2, it says, In the same region there were shepherds. And you got to think outcasts, rejects, rebels. And there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Why? Because when an angel shows up, most of us think we're in trouble. And think about this. What do you think this group of men are doing? This religious outcast group of men. Have you ever been camping with a group of men? Man, you know what we talk about, right? We ain't holding hands singing kumbaya, sharing testimonies. Is that a fact? And so the angels show up and they think, uh-oh, we're dead. And not only that, every time the angels show up in the Bible, they always come with, do not be afraid. So here's what this means. I know you have this image of what an angel is. It's not a little chubby baby with a bow and arrow. It's not cute little Windsor up here that did a good job reading Luke chapter 2. Nor is it skinny chicks in their underwear, okay, during the halftime show. None of, none of that. Apparently, is these warriors, messengers, on behalf of God. And so they say, fear not. And here's the announcement. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. And at this point, I think that the shepherds are like, in the city of David? Are you, are you sure? In Bethlehem? In other parts of the gospel, um, people ask, is anything good come from Bethlehem? Are you sure it wouldn't be like Jerusalem, the holy city? And they're like, no, 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 no. It's this little, this little kind of good-for-nothing reject city, you know? It would be like Jesus is on a world tour, and he's not coming to Jacksonville. He's coming to Palatka, right? <laughs> and if some of you are like, hey, wait a minute, I'm offended because I'm from Palatka. Right. That's why you're from Palatka. <laughs> Welcome. Paved roads, lights, indoor plumbing. It's nice here, isn't it? And I can make fun of that because I'm from Dillon, all right? I can make fun of rednecks. You know, people say you can't make fun of rednecks unless you are one. I are one, so I can, all right? So, same thing here. Not the holy city, but unto you this day in the city of David, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Here's what you have to grab onto. Hopefully by this point you've figured out that uh, a manger is not the little thing that is in front of your yard, but the manger was probably a carved out piece of a cave. And what, what the announcement is, is you're going to find this little king of kings, this little baby king wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he's in this cave because one day, about 33 years from now, this king of kings is going to be wrapped in burial cloths and he's going to be put in a cave. But it will not hold him down. You see, there are, there are at least four major parts of this announcement that I just want to spend a little bit of time on. The first one is this, is the angel said, behold, I bring you good news. Good news. In Greek, that's gospel. That they come and they say, our announcement is the gospel. First of all, it's good that God has good news for you to enter into the dark places of your life. And it's news. That means it actually happened. Did you know the reason that we're Christians is not because we believe something and it's not because this book records something. It's because something actually happened. And what actually happened is that the Son of God became a man so that men and women could become sons and daughters of God. That actually happened. And the angels say on Christmas Day, it is good news. And it is good news for all the people. Not just the good people. Not just the religious people. Not just the Jewish people. Not just the church people. 
but for all the people. That's why the Church of 1122 is a move for, movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And some of us cognitively can kind of get our head around the fact that God loves all the people, but somehow we still think that we are disqualified. And I think the angels understood that the shepherds go, all right, yeah, he might come for all the people, but not for me individually. Maybe for categories of people, but not for me. And so then the angel is a little redundant and says, for unto you, you, individually you, that Jesus, when he came, he was born in that manger, and he came on this rescue mission for you and for me. It was very, very personal. Not just, not just covering categories of types of people, but for you this day. And he says, in the city of David is born a savior, not a teacher, not a religious figure, not a life coach, but a savior. And in fact, just to really drive it home, an angel appears to, to Joseph, uh, kind of Jesus' stepdad, right? And imagine what he's going through on Christmas when Mary comes to him and says, hey, I'm pregnant and it's not yours and, uh, you know, and it's God's. He's like, okay, I'm going to have to refile my, my profile on eHarmony and try this again, okay? And, and then the angel shows up to him and says, no, no, time out. See, this is God's plan. And the angel says to Joseph in Matthew 1, that she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sin. You see, the whole point of this announcement was a fulfillment of what God announced a long time ago back in the Garden of Eden. That I'm going to send someone and he's going to make it right between me and my people. And so, unto us is born this day. Again, not a life coach, because you and I are not mistakers in need of a life coach, but we are sinners in need of a Savior. And Jesus came for you and me And he came on a rescue mission to reunite us, to be in that face-to-face relationship with God, just like Adam and Eve were back in the Garden of Eden. You see, um, if you're a regular 1122-er, then you've you've heard all about my dogs before, but it is the clearest expression of the gospel that I know about, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago, um, I bought these two dogs. And and I wanted wanted to get English Bulldogs, because I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan, you know, like most Christians are, and... uh, and, but I couldn't afford them. I was on a youth pastor budget, and they were too expensive. So I got boxers, because they looked like them, and they're awesome. And they got that mean mug, and they're kind of jacked. And I thought, maybe it'll wear off. And so I got one. The first one, his name was Samson. And he was awesome, and he was obedient, and he was, you know, my buddy, and it was great. And then we got him a companion. We got him a female, and then it all went downhill from here, okay? Much like the garden. And so, uh, so we got him, and, and, and when we first got him, man, we loved him like our children, and some of you are that way, but that's fine. One day you'll grow up. And so that's how we were. And people with kids, mature people like you would, with kids would say, hey, listen, one day I, I see that you treat your dogs like your kids. And we would. We'd get them Christmas presents. They'd stay in our bed. It was really weird. And, and they told us, one day when you have kids, then your kids will be your kids and your dogs will be your dogs. And we were offended. We were like, no, not us. We love our dogs and we care for our dogs. And they will always be really close to our hearts. And then we had children. And we put the dogs in the backyard. And so, because uh, that's how it goes. Just one more thing to clean up. And so... Um, a girl who's on staff now, now named Maria, she used to watch, she used to watch our kids uh, back in the day when, when Reagan was really small and uh, JP was really young. And so one day at work, she gives me a call and she goes, hey, listen, uh, I stuck my head out back and I haven't seen Sadie and Samson since like, you know, all morning. At this point, it was after lunch. It was one o'clock in the afternoon. And, and you see, we had this fenced-in yard. And, and so the reason that we had this fence is because it was really for the provision and protection of our dogs. 
The interesting thing is, is that our dogs, when they lived inside, they always wanted to be outside. When they're outside, they always wanted to be inside. And they hated the fence. They saw the fence around our backyard um, as a punishment. But what you know, what I know, as a good master, as a good owner, the reason that we had a fence there is because we used to live in the woods, and right behind the fence was Hodges Boulevard, and on the other side uh, was Atlantic. And so that fence was there to provide for them and to protect them, not to punish them, but we actually loved our dogs enough to take care of them that way. And so apparently one day I left the gate open that morning that Maria called me, and I'm sure what happened, I mean, I'm pretty convinced that probably what happened is Sadie saw a little crack in the door of the female, and she was like, hey, look, Samson, now's our chance. Let's, let's get out of here, okay? Let, the man can't hold me down. Let's go. And Samson probably reasoned with her, and he's like, no, 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 Sadie, this is for our pr- protection and provision. Shall we not go? And she said, you do what you want to do, but I'm out. She knows her way through, and then Samson followed like most men do, and there they are. And I can imagine what's going through their mind when they get out to the front yard, and they're looking to the left, and they're looking to the right, and they're thinking, we can do anything that we want to do. We can go wherever we want to go, and we, can, and we can chase cats, and we can pee on the neighbor's flower, and you know, whatever we want to do, that's what we'll do. Woo! I'm pretty sure Samson painted his face blue and said, freedom! <laughs> now here's what... Here's what you know, either cognitively or you just kind of know somewhere deep in your soul, that rebellion, though it always feels like freedom at first, it can only lead to death or bondage. That whenever you get out of the authority, out from under the authority of the master, then it's really just death or bondage. And so they're running around the neighborhood somewhere, I don't know, and again, about 1 o'clock, Maria calls me and says, I haven't seen the dogs, and I'm just like, ugh. So I get in my truck, and I drive home, and I look, and sure enough, they're out. And so I do what any good pet owner does. I get in my car, I roll down the windows, and I get some cheese, and I'm riding around the neighborhood feeling like an idiot. You ever do this? You're riding around the neighborhood, and you're like, Sadie, Samson. And then your neighbors, which the Bible commands us to love, but sometimes it's hard because they ask you dumb questions like, did you lose your dogs? (laughs) No, granny and grandpa got out again, but they love cheese. (laughs) They like to gum this down every once in a while. Yeah, I lost my dogs, okay? And so we... uh, there's a little guard gate up at the front of the neighborhood, and I drove up there, and I said, have you seen my dogs? And they said, about 9.30 this morning, we saw them come out of the neighborhood and hang a left and go towards Atlantic Boulevard. And I went from anger to really, uh-oh, at that point. And I'm just thinking, man, if I could just find them, if I could just find them, because I don't want to have to go home and lie to my kids, right? And be like, Sadie and Samson are in a happy place, right? Did your parents lie to you too? Right, Okay. And we all know dogs go to heaven. That's probably biblical. Cats, no way, but dogs for sure. <laughs> and so then I'm riding around looking for them in this apartment complex across the street, and Gretchen calls me on the phone. She says, I found them. I said, awesome. Where are they? She said, they're on the internet. Huh? <laughs> they start their own, uh, you know, fund me page? I mean, what, what happened? And so she's like, well, they're at the pound. And so what happens? Apparently somebody scooped them up and took them downtown to the pound, and uh, and they put their pictures up there so people like me could identify their dogs. And so I got in the car, and I called them up and said, hey, look, I think you got my dogs. And I said, well, you got to come get them. And so we drove. I drove downtown. And, and typically the only reason I go downtown is for the Jags game. And, and you know, I, we, used to, we live out, most of us here live out here where Jesus lives, all right? I know some of you live downtown, but that's why you come out here to meet Jesus, all right? So that's great. No problem. So I go downtown. I go to the pound. And there's this lady working at the front desk. And, you know, there's a reason that people work with animals because they don't have what's called people skills, all right? And so, and if you're offended by that, ask your neighbor, all right? And so, uh, so I walk up, and I'm like, hey, listen, uh, I think you've got my dogs. And this, dude, she treated me like I was from Nazi Germany. She was like, how dare you? I'm like, okay, whatever. Just 
kind of, kind of fun. She goes, well, you have to identify your dogs. And so she takes me into this little back area, and there's, there's kennels. And in the seventh kennel, in the very last kennel, there's Sadie and Samson. And I come walking in, and there's every little lost dog from around Jacksonville, and they're like, pick me, pick me. And, you know, I go, and there are my two dogs, Sadie and Samson. And Sadie is so clueless and loving and dumb, she has no idea that anything's wrong. And when she sees me, she's like, hey, we have been looking for you everywhere. <laughs> then Samson goes to the back of the kennel, sits on his little love. He's like, ooh, my bad dog. He knew. <laughs> and so I'm going to get those are my dogs, okay? And so we go back out to the little desk area. And I'm like, all right, what do I have to do? Can I just pick them up and put them in the truck? And she's like, no, it's going to be $290 for each dog. Do what? I'm not sure they, you know, I didn't know that they increased in value. How did that work out? And you see, what if at that point I would say, hold on, time out one second. Okay, can you time out? Can you let me go see my dogs again? Can you imagine if I were to go back to my dogs and say to them, Sadie and Samson, I'm going to get you out, but you owe me. Each of you are going to have to pay me back $290. You know what the problem would be? You see, my dogs had incurred a debt by their own will that they could not repay. I mean, what are they going to do? What if I look at them and be like, look, you owe me $290. You better race a greyhound or deliver a paper or something. Rescue a Timmy out of the well. I don't know. You see, they, they had stepped out from the authority of the master and, in, and rebelled, and the rebellion felt like freedom, and it led to bondage, and they had incurred a debt that they could not pay. And even if, what if my dogs would have replied back to me, okay, we are so sorry about the past, but here's what we promised. From now on, we'll be the best dogs of all time. We'll make your bed, we'll bring your slippers, we'll teach your children to walk and read and write. Can we just do that? Do you realize that even if they could pull all of that off, that would do nothing to impact the debt that I owed because of them, the 290 bucks. And so I go back to the front desk, to the lady there, and I say to her, okay, well, what happens if I, if I don't want to pay the 290 for my dogs? You know, I mean, that's a lot of money. I think I can get some brand new ones, you know, upgrade. And she was like, well, and, and I, I really wanted to know, do you, do you euthanize them? Are you going to kill my dogs if I give them up? And she's like, no, 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 we don't do that here. Here's what we do. We will, um, we'll give them a bath, and we'll cut their toenails, and, and we'll groom them, and we'll have to fix the mail because he wasn't fixed yet. And the reason, see, I just, couldn't, I just didn't have it in my heart because Gretchen and I were still having that same conversation about me, and so Samson and I were going to hold strong to the end. Is that too much? Uh, welcome to 1122. Okay, so. <laughs> and she said, after we do all that and get them all prepped and ready, then we're going to put them up for adoption, and some good, good pet owner, not you, will, will be able to come and adopt them. And so I was like, okay. And I look over my left shoulder, and, and over the door that was heading out to my truck was this big sign, and it said, adopt a dog today for $30. Hmm. Don't get ahead of me. So I told the lady, all right, lady, I I, so, okay, they're yours. I want to relinquish ownership of the dogs to you. And so she handed me this paperwork, and I filled it all out, and she notarized it and gave it to me. And I said, so let me just get this straight. They're not my dogs anymore. They're your dogs. Right, right. Okay. And I took about two steps, and I turned back around and came back and said, ma'am, I would like to adopt two dogs, please. And she said, sir, you can't adopt your own dogs. I said, actually, I have a notarized piece of paper here from Duval County that says, I don't own any dogs. You own dogs, I don't have dogs. I would like to adopt two. You got anything like in a boxer, maybe a male, female? We've already picked out names. So she scoops up her paperwork, she's mad, and she goes to talk to the manager, and I can see her behind this big glass wall, and she's like, and he's like, well, you can't do it, you know, and then they come back, and the guy slams down a clipboard, and I had found this loophole, and there was nothing they could do, and I filled out an adoption form about what a great pet owner I am, and then 
with the adoption form and my $30 each, I redeemed my dogs and legally adopted them back into my family, okay? And then I said, so do I pick them up? And this is, it gets even better. She's like, no, nope, it'll take three days because in three days, don't lose that, in three days, we're going to wash them, bathe them, clip their toenails. We're actually going to give them back to you in better condition than the condition that we found them. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And the good news of Christmas is that Jesus came on a rescue mission for all people, and that includes you. That you and I, by our own rebellion, whether it was a rebellion in sex, drugs, and rock and roll, or it was a rebellion in trying to be good enough to impress God with your own religiosity, that we have all, in glad rebellion, run away from the Master, and we find ourselves imprisoned in our own sin, whether it is the, the sin of, of mistakes, the sin of pride, maybe the sin of your own success, putting your own hope in the wrong thing, and you find yourself with a debt that you cannot pay. And when Jesus shows up on Christmas, the angels assure us that he is a savior, that he has come to hang on a tree, to die on that cross, to pay that debt for us that we could not pay on our own. And not just forgive you of your sin. It's even better than that. Not just wipe the slate clean. It's even better than that. Because if, you're, if your slate is wiped clean, then you got to get to work. But to adopt you into his own family as a son or a daughter of God. You see, that the son of God became a man. So that men and women like you and me become, could become sons and daughters of God. And maybe this Christmas... Maybe you've never heard that gospel message before, or maybe you've heard it your whole entire life, but today, for the very first time, it makes sense for you, and today, this Christmas Eve, you might, for the very first time, come face to face with the Savior that showed up here on your behalf to rescue and redeem you. And so what we want to do is give you an opportunity to surrender your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not because of anything that you have done, but because the Master sent His Son, that God Almighty sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to come and pay that debt that you did not, that you could not pay. That you could not pay. And all you have to do, just like on Christmas morning, is to receive that gift. That gift that cost Him everything, and that gift that will cost you nothing except that you would receive the free gift of eternal life. So I'd ask you to bow your head and to close your eyes. And I would ask if that is you, if you are ready to have your debt paid for, your sin debt paid for, if you are ready to come face to face with your Creator, God Almighty, to know Him, not just as judge, but to know Him as your Heavenly Father, a good dad that sent His Son on a rescue mission for you and for me, then you would just let Him know right where you are. You would say, all right, God, I'm, I find myself in the cell of my own sin or my own achievement or my own striving, and I need forgiveness of my sin and God, I want a relationship with you. Because God made him who was without sin to be sin for us, that we would be made his righteousness. If that's you, if you're ready to admit that you're a sinner and believe that when Christ died on the cross, it counted for you, and to confess that you were not the boss of you anymore, that Jesus is your Lord, if you are ready to surrender your life to the Lordship of Christ and receive salvation as a free gift this Christmas, just tell him. Just tell him. 
And in this moment, in this moment, your debt has been paid for and you are adopted into his family. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Would you raise your hand and say, God, that's me. I surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our good and gracious Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that, God, you loved us so much that you sent your son on a rescue mission. God, you didn't just look down and feel sorry for us. God, you didn't just look down and look forward to the day of judgment. But God, you saw us trapped in our own sin and you sent Jesus Christ on a rescue mission for us to seek and to save that which was lost, to pay our debt, to be a savior for all of us. Not just the person sitting next to us, but us, God. So God, we thank you for the good news, the gospel for all people that unto us this day a Savior is born. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. And would you please stand as we respond? You see, God speaks and we respond. That's how it works. God speaks and we respond. Just like the gospel, God speaks and many of you this day responded by surrendering your life to Christ. We respond by joining our voices together to make much of Him. That's what worship is, is to respond to God for who He is and what He's done. Some of you, Some of you may need to come down to the altar and kneel down and just cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. If you're a regular here and maybe you're not going to be here this Sunday, we respond by bringing our first and our best, our tithes and our offerings to the giving boxes all around the room. And we respond by joining our voices together to make much of him. Let us respond.